Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of For What It's Nerd. We are back again to um, kind of have a little bit of a book episode. Uh, we haven't done a what I'm reading this year so far, and it's a slow news week, so I thought this would be a perfect chance to kind of catch you guys up on what I've been reading, where I've been at with my reading generally, and why I haven't done perhaps as well or as um, uh, been as broad in my reading as I have in previous uh, times that we've been doing this sort of thing. Usually, um, I, I try to only include the most recent books I've read. I have read a few more that I'm showing today, but I really try to keep it within the month, two month time frame, because otherwise it feels like there's no point in me telling you that I've read something, you know, six months ago. I know that that wouldn't matter anyway, because I've done an episode since then. But the point being that I always try and keep these episodes to relatively speaking, what I've been reading really recently. Uh, and to be honest with you, I actually haven't been reading a whole lot, uh, which is a bit frustrating because it, it, it's been with good reason. So for those who don't know, um, I am, a, well, I was once upon a time a very avid fan of Critical Role. Uh, I'm, so if I'm not now, I just don't think I, I classify as avid. Um, I, I didn't have a falling out with Critical Role. I just got way behind because of life. And I only just finished after really um, bum-rushing through it, um, season two, uh, campaign two, sorry, of Critical Role, and I'm trying to catch up and start. Um, I'm watching some of the uh, sundry parts of the of the show, some of the other episodes, um, the uh, before going into campaign three. So that's been my big project at the moment, and because of that, I haven't had a lot of time to put into reading because when I'm having relaxed time, I'm generally watching Critical Role. So anyway, um, I've not been listening to many audiobooks, Primarily because um, another thing that's been kind of changing everything as well is that I've been trying to really go hard on exercise at the moment, try to really uh, look after my health a lot more than I have perhaps in the past. And because of that as well, I'm when I'm out walking and stuff like that, I'm really trying to like put music on to try and motivate myself a lot more to kind of get that kind of the blood pumping, I, I suppose you'd say. But so it's been a weird one where I've not really listened to many, many books and so as well, where I used to listen to a lot of my books would be I'd have sort of a 45-ish minute commute um, both ways. So like an hour and a half a day where I'd listen to a book. I don't have that now. Um, or at least I'd listen to 45 minutes a day, um, depending if I decided on the return trip or whatever. To... So what I'm trying to say basically is there's a lot of reasons why I, do, I am not reading as much as I have previously um, because my commute's changed, because this has changed, because that's changed. I'm really trying to address that, especially because there's a lot of fiction that I've been trying to get through to then be able to watch media. For example, um, one that really comes to mind is Dune. I still haven't finished reading Dune. I know that I'm at a point where I'm sort of basically ready to, to watch the first movie, but the second movie's already nearly out. And I feel like I might have to rush to what not rush Dune, but like get further through it because I know that I want to watch uh, Dune, Dune 2. Just so you guys know, I know I'm saying it probably weirdly to some people, Dune, Dune, however you say it, uh, however you might say it, I know I say Dune. Um, uh, and that's coming up and I'm like, shit, I can watch the first film, yeah, but like I need to catch up, you know? Anyway, with all of that said, um... I will show you guys what I've been reading recently. So the first, so these are all Marvel comics. I've really been focusing on comics. Comics are really easy for me right, right now to get into, even despite um, 
even despite the fact that I'm like struggling, if that makes sense, these are a lot, uh, you know, the, the visuals, etc. help when your mind is addled from the million other things that you're doing. But um, so uh, I'm going kind of one I've read late, like the one I've read the, the furthest back to the most recent one, if that makes sense, which I'm technically on with right now. But anyway, so World War Hulk. Now, this is really funny because I've re I read Planet Hulk years ago. Like, it was one of my first introductory comics. Like, I I, I, I can't even remember how long ago these came out now. But anyway, um, Planet Hulk, uh, I read years ago and I have it. Or I, I have it twice now, essentially, because I have um, the actual book from when I... Um, got it when I was younger and then I, with the legendary collection they have it as part of this too so um World War Hulk and actually I've never read World War Hulk that was that's the funny thing so uh, I never really felt kind of read the conclusion of the story so to speak and I actually thought this was a really fun one because you get to see Hulk at like his most brutal um you know let me see, see if I can find a page where um where we've got that for example, he and uh, Jennifer going up against each other there. So he versus She-Hulk, that's quite an interesting one, especially when he smashes her into the pavement. Um, that's uh, that's brutal upon brutal. You get gorgeous um, sprawling fight scenes like that. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't think this is like a masterpiece of writing necessarily. It's, you know, it, it's, a, it's fun, it's interesting. It's 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 basically it's not what if because it's you know it's actual canon event, but it's it's like a what if it's like what what would happen if Hulk basically was going to kill everyone and was a horrible horrible guy basically, um and, and that's what the story essentially is. Um, let me read the blurb quick. When the Illuminati banished the Hulk to a distant planet, they believed they had finally found a way to keep the Earth safe from his rage. But this enforced exile didn't turn out anything like they had intended. On Sakaar, the Hulk became so much more than just a monster, and they had all the and, and then had all he loved truly taken from him. Now the Hulk and his warbound have returned to Earth, driven by a furious anger. They have come seeking revenge and have sworn never to stop making the planet's so-called heroes pay for what they have done. What is actually really interesting is the twist of this one. Um, later on, you find that basically one of Hulk's own warbound is more wrapped up in things that happened then he might have been letting on just because he didn't want Hulk going soft, so to speak. Um, so it, it, it's an interesting story. What I will say is, and what I find interesting is how this portrays Korg meek compared to the MCU. And I feel like I'm really, really disappointed that we didn't get a more serious version of those two characters. Um... I understand why things were changed. I understand sometimes comedic characters are, are, are cool, are funny. It's nice to have some comedic relief, but I'm really sick of seeing Korg in the MCU now, and I, re I, I and knowing that Korg in the comics is such a different entity is kind of like crazy. It, it, it feels really weird to like have two different, um, two different totally different characters, you know. And I know that there's, there's a lot of conversation about butchery of character in other regards, especially on Hulk, actually, but. The Hulk in the MCU is still, you know, relatively comparable to the Hulk in the comics, whereas I feel like those characters just aren't the same at all.
now um that's pretty much it for that one i think that would be a really cool story to adapt the only issue is now i feel like because hulk is already back on earth can you do world war hulk maybe i know they've introduced uh scar now hulk's son so we'll see how that one goes but um yeah anyway i really enjoyed it but it wasn't like it wasn't a magnum opus as regards story. It's it's a very visual book. This one, it's a very visual story. Um, as regards like how it, like the story is all about how the scenes look, how the fights look, and that's not my favorite thing ever. But I can appreciate it when it's there. Next, we have actually I think my first ever Moon Knight proper comic, and that's Dream Demon. I'll read the blurb on this one. Left for dead in the deserts of Egypt, mercenary Mark Spector's cry for help. Cries for help were answered by the ancient god Khonshu. In return for saving his life, Spector became the de- deity's avatar on Earth, the Moon Knight. Operating under multiple identities, including millionaire Stephen Grant and cab driver Jake Lockley, he is now the so-called left fist of Khonshu, protecting the innocent and delivering his god's vengeful, vengeful punishment upon the wicked. From dream phantoms to scarlet killers, Lock specters to satanic cults. There are none who can escape the light of the Moon Knight. So this one took me a while to read. I will admit, I think because, as opposed to say, even World War Hulk and some of the other ones I'm going to show you guys, this is more of your typical Saturday morning kind of. Even though I've, it's just said about satanic cults and stuff, like this isn't over. This isn't an overarching story. You have some stuff with. I think it's is it Morbius. I think um, in the beginning, and then you shift to uh, no, it's not Morbius, is it? Someone else, Morpheus. Sorry, um, that's why I was getting confused. Uh, you have Morpheus in the beginning. You deal with that. There's a few issues as regards just Mark kind of being being Moon Knight basically, um, and then sort of wrapping up with werewolf by night which i actually really enjoyed i enjoyed that issue a lot despite the fact that there was this kind of caricature of the satanic cults which felt a bit weird as like an angle to take that i feel like they shouldn't have made them so like if you're going to do a darker story let's not make the satanic cult in that comedy relief you know what i mean i don't know a comedic relief even but anyway uh, i think it was i think it was interesting to kind of get any proper insight into what moonlight is like in the comics, especially this kind of earlier run um, of Moon Knight. Obviously, again, it's not so much in line with the newer stuff, I believe. But um, yeah, really interesting. Run. I tell you, tell you what, though, this is a lie. I have read another Moon Knight comic because there was one that was part of this um, prior, part of the Legendary Collection prior. I forget the details of that story now, but I definitely have read one more Moon Knight comic at least. But yeah. It was an interesting one. I think I think the Werewolf by Night story is by, by far the best. But it's also nice to see that it's nice to see how Moon Knight's rogues gallery kind of fills out a little bit more. Um, seeing how like Konshu himself is almost an antagonist of Moon Knight. Seeing how like Werewolf by Night is sort of antagonist in a sense. And also seeing Morpheus, which was a really interesting um, take on the kind of uh, dream sequence type thing. And the illusions and, and, and all that type of stuff. I think this is probably something that I would like to see. I'd like 
I'd like almost. I maybe just had a, a glick. A, is it a glick? Where you accidentally click your hit the back of your tongue. Um, anyway, oh, that's irrelevant to the whole point. Uh, I would like. Um, that's really through me now. I would like to see that maybe, you know, Moon Knight season two is going ahead. I would almost like to see a less overarching. I would like to see what they do with She-Hulk a little bit with Moon Knight, actually. Like, despite the fact this was hard for me to read at points because I felt like I, I didn't have a kind of cohesive story going on. I do think that there's some parts of that um, that are... Um, conducive to telling a little bit more of like a free story with moon knight and just kind of going through a few different like scenarios with him i think that'd be a really interesting um story to tell next up we have messiah complex um which is a this is part one by the way so it's a very small it's a small a lot smaller than like these are the differences in sizes on some of these issues as you can see this is the moon knight one this is for those who can obviously see for those who can't basically the moon knight one is about double the size of the messiah complex one which is an x-men story so i will read the blurb of this one to you guys no more mutants three words uttered by the scarlet witch the doomed homo superior not a single child carrying the x-gene has been born on earth since m-day until now when cerebro detects the birth of a powerful new mutant the x-men rush to investigate but they're not the only ones the forces are at work looking to capture, kill, or manipulate the new mutant child for their own sinister means. With their species on the edge of extinction, can the X-Men protect the source of hope for all mutant kind? And essentially, it's a story that follows the mutants kind of, again, reeling with the aftermath of, um, is it M-Day? I think it's M-Day, yeah, M-Day. Um, I even said that like two seconds ago. Um, and you see, you see a team that's really on the outs, um, which is interesting. And the art for this one is really, it's a, it's a lot like darker and not necessarily in the sense of like grim, but like, it's like a lot more, I don't know how to describe it. Like it's, a, you, you can tell that the intent is that this is a world that the mutants find themselves in that it's hostile, if that makes sense, even through the art style, even through the art style. Um, and what you do is you follow a lot of different characters because in this one you've got, you've got um, X Men, you've got Uncanny X Men, you've got X Factor, you've got um, New X Men, and the X Men themselves. So you've got like a whole set of characters going on. This is like a crossover between all the comics that happened. Um, and um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot in this. Uh, there's there's a little bit of time travel, which was weird. I didn't I I get it, but I don't get it. I get what they were doing with that, but it also felt like it didn't need to necessarily... I mean, it's hard, because I just think sometimes time travel is just overused in media in general. But it's a very X-Men thing. X-Men are kind of used to that. I mean, Days of Future Past is all about that, right? Anyway, um, there's a lot of different threats in this one. There's, like, the Marauders. There's... um. There's like this mutant creature that's like mutant hunt, hunting creature. Sorry, there's um oh I forget the organization, but there's like this group of guys who are out like against mutants as mutants as well. And then there's like I think Lady Deathscythe is in this too, if I remember correctly. So there's a lot Deathstrike. Sorry, not Deathscythe, Deathstrike. Um, so she's in it too. 
Um, but yeah, the main characters really are kind of Nightcrawler, Emma Frost, Cyclops, Wolverine, and Angel. Very nice, very good book. I did enjoy. Um, but again, I, I'm more interested to see how that resolves because I feel like when you get a part one, how can you really like it's it depends on it depends on what the part one constitutes of, doesn't it? It's like a new hope is part one of a trilogy, but it's standalone, right? Like you can watch a new hope and kind of like be like, okay, that's the end of the movie, brilliant. Like you can judge that as a movie on its own, even though it continues. But this it feels like because because comics are obviously with the intended necessity of going for a run. Yes, you can judge that comic wasn't the best. There was a few points I didn't like, but like generally, it's better to look at them as a whole because like the story is meant to be a whole, right? It's a different kind of episode or episode of catalog, so to speak. Anyway, the last one and perhaps the most um, topical generally is actually Born Again by from Daredevil. Not from Daredevil, but you know what I mean? About Daredevil, should I say? And so this is a storyline that's been adapted both... Uh, that has been and is being adapted at the moment by the MCU. So season two and season three of Daredevil uh, that was on Netflix uh, adapted numerous parts from Born Again, and then obviously the new show is called Daredevil Born Again. But this book is obviously the original run, the actual run, and this one says... Wilson Fisk has everything he wants, almost. I read that really badly, but there you go. As the criminal kingpin of New York, he resides over a crooked empire that has brought him wealth and power beyond his wildest dreams. His rule would be absolute if not for the if not for the blind hero, a daredevil, who has foiled Fisk's plans time and time again. But when the criminal overlord... Oh my gosh. But when the criminal overlord learns of his foe's true identity, he realizes he finally has the means to re exact revenge. A personal, cruel revenge that will bring Murdoch's world crashing down around him. So in a weird way, I found this very interesting because it's got a lot of parallels to the kind of Spider-Man identity um, crisis. Um, but this, this is very personal. This is like very... It gets into Matt Murdock's head. You see him kind of starting to break apart. I haven't finished it yet. I've got about two issues in of the the six. Um, and I am loving it. I actually really enjoy it. The art style is, is, is like in between. Because if you look at it, it's definitely got that older art style. But I actually find it to be really good for this one because it's really vibrant in a way that really contra contrasts with the story. Like, this is meant to be a very dark, insidious, slow burn of a story as regards, like, what's happening to Matt. And, like, the story, like, the, the colours are kind of opposite to that. It's kind of almost saying the world is not as Matt's perceiving it, in a sense, which is very true for this run. But also, it's just nice to see Kingpin doing Kingpin things. You know, I, I, I think one of the, the interesting things about Kingpin is, even though he's such a such a big character, both presence-wise and um, I wouldn't say power level because I hate that word, but like he has power, right? He has he has like substantial power, and he has substantial control over situations. And then he's the one that stands back and lets things kind of happen through corruption and through um, intimidation. He he's like a lot more cerebral of a villain, I think, perhaps people give him credit for 
even in like you know the adaptations on screen he's very much that um the the one exception kind of being um the spider-verse uh movie where i feel like he doesn't re- i mean don't get me wrong his his achilles heel has always been his family but he doesn't quite seem as logical in that movie but again he's not really a villain so much as a lens for the story in that one it's a little bit different he is like causing it but you know the real villains are like the other the other um characters that are faced on the way through and the threat is kind of the collapse of the universe itself in that one so it's a little bit different but yeah uh, as regards born again uh i'm very excited to see what they do as regards this in the mcu especially because they've restarted the they bought they but they are both resuming filming i believe tomorrow so as of as of the day this episode goes live which will be 21st of the first 2024 or if you're american the first 22nd 2024 um all right 21st did i say whatever i said basically deal with it if i've said the date wrong in america um um they're resuming filming on daredevil tomorrow i believe from what i've been hearing um with a new goal as regards the canonicity of the netflix shows and they are bringing back um the actors deborah ann wall and oh i forget the the name of foggy's actor but karen and foggy basically which i think is important because i'm reading this now and karen and foggy are integral characters karen sets this whole thing off and foggy is important as like this kind of person who matt starts to feel is detracting from his life to a degree so like them those characters are really important i'm glad that they're going to be now in the show uh obviously very excited to see vincent d'onofrio as doing more kingpin and charlie cox as daredevil as well but yeah so i'm really excited to see what having seen two adaptations of this material in one form or another already i'm really interested to see what they're going to do in the actual born again show that's going to be different but still fit within this um and i guess we'll we'll see with that but i was going to say this was i actually was going to say before we began that this is probably going to be a short episode i've just looked down at our counter for the episode for my recording even and um it's like way longer than some of the episodes we've been doing doing recently which i find hilarious um but yeah uh, i think we're going to pretty much leave it there um that is basically what i've been reading um what i want to read is june like i was saying at the beginning so i'm probably going to get on with that soon enough but um but yeah thank you guys for listening slash watching as always i hope you have a great week we should be starting to get into some movies very uh, very much again soon there are a few coming up that i'm interested in watching uh such as argyle um and of course madam webb is coming out too which whilst it might be a dumpster fire um we will be watching and we'll be watching and and discussing for sure um but yes thank you guys as always and i shall see you guys later bye guys <laughs>